you want to know how to find your niche in the business world, use your current skill set, and why coffee can be the best investment, then you should listen to this episode of Forward Thinking. Hey everyone, I'm Darren Lake, the audio content manager here at Medici. Welcome to Forward Thinking, a podcast by Medici. In this series, we speak with inspirational business owners, brands, and marketing experts to learn from their experiences on the front line and uncover what it takes to build a world-class business. Monica Wolf is the head of WeWork Labs, a large global platform that identifies the problems of their customers and connects them with solutions. In this episode with Brendan Hill, she discusses the importance of receiving negative feedback, identifying problems, her relationship with social media, and all the while dropping golden nuggets of podcast for you to listen to. Let's get into it. Monica, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to dive into your extensive career today. But before we start, I just wanted to wind back the clock. What was your first exposure to business and startups? My first exposure to startups, I was working for a startup and didn't realize it. So I joined Groupon when it first launched in Australia. Yeah, really early on. So a bunch of the people that are now at the Iconic, I remember from back in those days. Wow. And it was a fast growing company and I... I had no idea about startups and I was just like, what, the, what is this? And then I moved on from there because I was, you know, got a job with the Australian Bureau of Statistics. And then when I really entered into the startup ecosystem was a couple of years after that, when a friend of mine was working from a co-working space and he was like, come on by, it's so great. And it's like so much fun. And so I started to go to like Friday night pitch events right. and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with like, everyone being so excited about what they were working on and passionate and smart and how you would in one evening traverse conversations around space to e-games and everyone's trying to help solve each other's problems. Right. And then how did you find your space in the startup space? How did you find where you fit in the puzzle? It came pretty easily, to be honest, through a conversation with a friend around, well, what was missing and what was needed and what did I know? And so what was missing was statistics about the Australian startup ecosystem. And what I knew was statistics about Australia and how to do statistics. Mm. And that's kind of how Startup Muster was born. Right. And what is Startup Muster? (laughs) Startup Muster is the largest survey of the Australian startup ecosystem. Right, right. So you have an extensive background, you know, ABS, Startup Muster, you know, at WeWork Labs, why are statistics and data so important for early stage businesses and how can they utilize it? There are multiple reasons why it's important. My favorite is the storytelling aspect. Right. And the story that you tell others about how your business is going or what your business is achieving, but also the internal story of being able to look at what you've done in a year and go, okay, well, because I've measured it, I know that I have actually exceeded my goal of how many customers I wanted to bring on board this year. And I have surpassed my revenue goals. And I'm in five more countries than I ever thought I was. And that's a way of being able to be accountable, but also have a very positive spin on you and your business and what you're trying to achieve. So they're great for marketing and telling that story about your founder journey and where your business is heading and the vision that you're that you're bringing to life, but I actually think they're much more important for personal accountability, maybe 
giving yourself a tough talking to when the numbers are not looking great and really celebrating when they are. Mm, and storytelling, it's an area that we've tackled on the podcast before, as you mentioned, super important. Are there any examples of any businesses or startup that you can recall recently that have found big success off the back of their magnificent storytelling capabilities? Uh, Plan is a really good one. So Christy Lawrence, she's a WeWork member. I think I'm allowed to say that. I just know her because she's a friend of mine and she works out of one of the WeWorks. So her business is strategy and planning for Instagram. Right. And she is meticulous about how she monitors and captures and measures every part of her business. And what we've seen over the last year is like, she's gone bananas. Mm. She went from being an application on your phone to launching the desktop web version. She was at Vogue Codes and she's, you know, on the news over in the US because she's been able to create this brand, being able to see how it's developed. She's got like 1.5 million users, some really big brands as well. So she's really harnessed being able to tell her story and the story of her business through numbers. Yeah, amazing. And what was the tool called? Plan, Plan. P-L-A-N-N. And the website is Plan That. Awesome. I'll put that in the show notes. So you touched briefly on WeWork Labs. Can you tell us more about what you do at WeWork Labs and how it can it help businesses? Yeah, so WeWork Labs is a global innovation platform that helps early to mid-stage startups that are in software, hardware, and product. We're in Sydney, we're in Melbourne, but we're actually across 80 locations around the world in 19 countries, 50 cities. And the whole point of it is to really take the gravitas and infrastructure of what WeWork has created and put that behind your startup. So in Sydney, we have a space in Piermont, the Piermont WeWork. And what we do is we work with our members who are startups and understand what are their goals, what are their challenges, and how can we do the unscalable things so they can do the scalable things. Mm. So we have, I'm on hand 24-7 or, you know, throughout the week. We have an expert in residence. We have a highly curated and vetted expert network, both locally and abroad. And what we do is we go, okay... What's your challenge? What are you doing to solve it? What do you need? And we either create workshops, we do one-on-ones, we connect them into whoever that they need. So it's kind of like you've just raised your seed. You know you need to get to your A. What are you going to do in that time to make that happen, to surpass any goals that you had actually set, to make all your early investors very happy and all your new investors super envious? Yeah. So that's what we do. Right. And we've helped globally our startups raise about 130 million US dollars in two years. Wow, amazing. Yeah. And what are some of the main recurring problems that a lot of these startups are having? I'm not sure if it's always about the problem. For me, it is about understanding the problem and then moving on from that. And because our businesses are so diverse, we've got everything from an e-commerce business that's women's fashion for curvy ladies to construction software hardware product. So it's... I wouldn't say that the challenges or the problems that they face are always necessarily the same, but that's why there are people like me to really get to know what their business is and how we can help them. Mm. But I mean, generally speaking at that stage, it's raising funds, it's hiring, there's some legal or some compliance elements as well. Because we are global and we allow our startups to be able to go between the different locations around the world for free and tap into the labs locations there, a lot of our conversations around go-to-market strategy. How are you going to 
expand into Southeast Asia? How are you going to connect in with the right people when you're at that conference overseas? And we can tap them into the the local labs there and Mm. they can get warm introductions, a soft landing and a lot of friendly faces. Yeah, nice. And personally, what are some of your struggles in business right now? Um, My struggles, I guess, is just understanding what everyone else is going through and how I can help them to my best ability. Mm. So that's what I really care about is I've always cared so much about where the Australian startup ecosystem is going and those that are fueling it because it is the future of Australia's economy. At least that's my thought. So all of these businesses that I can help to scale, to grow, to acquire more customers, to be able to hire more people locally and abroad – my biggest challenge is how do I keep up? How do I make sure I'm giving them the best service and the best expertise and connecting them in with all the right experts? And so a lot of that is the challenge is managing my time. You know, you want to give it to the startups. You also want to make sure that you're not just letting any old person who says they're an expert come on in and give advice to these people. So it is a, for me, it's a balancing act of time. Mm. And so time management small, medium businesses, they have so much on their plate. They need to do the accounting. They need to do the marketing. They need to do HR. How can small businesses take back their time management? Well, put your phone down. (laughs) Step one. (laughs) Yeah. So a good friend of mine, she has her 3.30 p.m. freak out. Right. So she's got structured in her day every day at 3.30. That is the time she is allowed to freak out. Right. And so what happens is usually by the time she gets to 3.30, whatever she would have freaked out about back at 9 a.m., mm. she's not going to freak out about it anymore. Right. So it's like instead of wasting that time at 9 a.m. freaking out about it, she's like, oh, no, it's a mind game. I'll mm. leave it. I'll freak out about it at 3.30. And then the stuff that is left over at 3.30, she's like, oh, okay, yeah, I really need to freak out about this. (laughs) And I think that's funny, but it's also like quite smart. So I'll admit I'm slipping in and out of this right now, but generally I like to check my emails only twice a day. Right. And really just know that I've put these two half an hour periods of time aside Mm. so that I can respond to the emails and be able to then take the rest of the time to be able to focus on what I need to. My mornings are usually meant for deep work. So anything where if I'm putting together a strategy, I'm putting together anything that promotional material, anything like that, it's in my mornings. In the afternoons, I know that I want to talk to people because Mm. my attention span is no longer going to be good at focusing on a document on my laptop. Instead, I'm going to have office hours with my my labs members and they're going to get my juices flowing. They're going to make me feel active. Mm. So it's kind of like structuring your day by what your your needs are as well as what your business needs are. So how can you work most effectively and then incorporate that into your day? Mm, and you mentioned that putting your phone down is step number one. So another one of the projects that you're working on, the Digital Love podcast. So you talk about the moment where you realize you were tethered to your phone most of the day. Mm. Can, can you talk us through that story and how Digital Love came about? Yeah, I think it's, you know, you're in the tech community, you're building a business as well, you're so reactive, Mm. right? And you're just anticipating, you have the cortisol running through your veins because you're like, I'm anticipating that something's going to come through. And it's such wasted energy. And you're not effective and you're not productive either. And so for me, it was like recognizing that I had built an unhealthy relationship with my phone and with certain things on my phone. 
and reconciling what the implications of that are going to be. So I'm going to be distracted. I'm going to be stressed. I'm going to be whatever other negative feelings. And then what I just started to do was look at how can I change that? And if I'm in the tech industry and there's no like there's no judgment around that. I just it's like as someone in the tech industry who has read Hooked from Nir Eyal for a very different reason than what most of us would go to that book for, right? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> now I'm really understanding it. I was like, okay, I just I need to work on my relationship with my devices as much as I need to work on my relationship with my friends and my family and even my cats. <laughs> and and it's actually, it's really not that hard. There's a lot of resources out there, like Digital Love. My aim with that was to have the conversation with other technologists around how do they use their phones intentionally? Right. Do they use them intentionally? What do they think about how they use it? Could they use it better? How do they use it in their family setting? Because I was really interested to understand that. How do parents, or technology parents, teach and communicate technology to their children? Mm. And so... Something like really understanding, well, where do I want to put my time and energy when I am on my phone? I don't really look at work emails or Slack when I'm not at work. And that's just my choice. I know yeah. some people don't have that liberty. When I ran my own business, I certainly didn't have that liberty. Mm. But, you know, you do have to set some kind of boundaries. Yeah. And whether it's a waking up and morning practice and an evening practice, something like Instagram, Look, I am never going to be an Instagram influencer and that is okay. So my Instagram is more about, it's mm. less about me curating an image of what I want people to think of me. It's more about what do I want to see. And your cats as well. Well, yeah, I mean, like they deserve their own Instagram. <laughs> they are so crazy. Yeah. But I don't have the time and energy. And I also think about the opportunity cost. Like yeah. I love my cats. I film my mm. cats, but like having to upload and caption, mm. no. I rather follow <laughs> Kitten X Lady and my yeah. kitty fostering Oz and look at how they are fostering little baby kittens. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, I can definitely relate when I was running my small business. It was an e-commerce business. I had a very bad bout of email addiction. You know, I was mm. always checking for the new orders that came in to get that endorphin hit. So definitely you can see where you're coming from and how those frameworks can definitely help. So how should small business owners spend their time with technology to have the best online and offline experience? So one of our startups, Zenify, they're an e-commerce platform that is all around helping businesses be sustainable and have a social impact. He is phenomenal when it comes to social media, understanding it, how to incorporate it in his business, and then how to leave it at the door. Right. He runs these really, it's Andonis who, who's who got that business and he runs some um, really phenomenal sprints. So he's approached social media much more from a technical standpoint and much more from a, how can I utilize this tool rather get, than getting sucked into the algorithms himself and having his time and attention taken away. It's very focused on, okay, well, this is the process of how to do it and this is how I'm going to incorporate it. So, I mean... Personally, what I would do is take an assessment of what are all the different social media channels available or the different avenues through which your business is communicating to the world and then determine, well, what's the cost benefit of that? Do you need to be cross across all of these or can you just focus in and double down on one? So I mm. use LinkedIn a lot. I like LinkedIn. LinkedIn yeah. likes me. We get along. <laughs> um, Twitter and me, not so much. I'm, yeah. I, like, I don't really give it any time and attention. It doesn't give me any time and attention. Mm. And like I 
couldn't care about Facebook. (laughs) So it's really about where do you want to put your energy because and your time and your money and consolidating that down and being okay with the fact that you might not be across every single platform. Mm. Like don't have digital FOMO. It's okay. Like focus in on one, be intentional and go from there. And as you grow, you might find that you will move into other avenues, but instead of this doesn't have to be throw spaghetti at the wall. It doesn't have to be shotgun. Be it's back to that. Be intentional with it. Mm. I always love to ask our guests if there's any tool, maybe $100 or less, that they've made in the last year that's made a significant impact on their life. With $100, I can roughly have 14 coffees. Right. For me, it's all around interaction, physical, personal interaction. Whether it's talking about digital love and bringing everything back to human interaction, like sitting across from you now, seeing your body language, me in my mind doing subconsciously all this stuff. And especially if you're building a business, I think one of the things people are so afraid of doing is reaching out, asking for advice, getting negative feedback, God forbid, right? But in my experience, it's been the most fruitful things that I've done. I've connected with people. I've learned from them. I've gotten to the next step of the sales process. And I think these days we're so focused on just sending emails and slacking and whatnot that there is a novelty and there is something to be said about sitting down with someone, having a real honest and frank conversation. And if you are the founder of the business and you're trying to talk to someone who might be able to help you, you need to also think, how can I, what can I bring to this conversation? How can I help Mm. that person? This isn't just a you take from them. It's you also engaging in it and trying to find some way of reciprocating and assisting. So I would just really amp up my caffeine addiction. <laughs> so buy people coffees. Yeah. And I mean, one of one of our labs members, Site Hive, I asked them this question and what they were like, oh, we don't know. But actually they spent about $80. They got a bunch of Site Hive logo stickers right. and they're completely out of them already. And it was really useful for hiring for some yeah. reason, which right. they were surprised at as well. So you know, that's under 80 bucks and, you know, in a, they hired software developers. It, they're in the tech scene. What do people in the tech scene love? They love stickers and they love swag shirts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm eh, about both. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you wish you were more of an expert on in business right now? Cybersecurity. Right. Yep. I was listening because I love podcasts. We all know this. I love podcasts. I listen to them. I create one. I'm like Mm, addicted. You're in the universe. Yeah, I'm sucked in. And I was listening to a really interesting one. I can't remember what it was called, sadly, but it was all about fishing. But then it was also about vishing, which is like how they're Uh, doctoring videos and distorting what people are saying. mm, Like Nancy Pelosi at the beginning of last year had one of her videos altered to make her look like she was saying something different than she was, but also Mm. making her sound kind of drunk. And so it's kind of like there are so many different facets of cybersecurity. And especially if you're a business owner, like understanding simple tricks and tips as to how to check if an email that's come through to you is fraudulent or not. So like if something in your email, in the email you receive is hyperlinked, put your mouse over it and hover on it to see what the URL is. Mm. And if it looks dodgy and if so like don't click on it 
I mean, there's some startling statistics out there at the moment about the number of cybersecurity attacks against the Democratic candidates for this year's election in the US, mm. like in the tens of thousands on a daily basis. Wow. So maybe that's kind of slightly fear-mongering, but yeah, getting more of a handle on cybersecurity, where that's going, how mm. it's impacting business, that's something I'm fascinated with and I think everyone should kind of be thinking mm. a bit about making sure that they are as protected as possible. Yeah, definitely. And what is in your current business black box? I mean, what type of problems are you trying to solve? Any problems that the labs members come at me with. <laughs> Problems of all shapes and sizes. Yeah, look, I mean, I've grappled with the concept around like, why do all of my friends have 25,000 Instagram followers and I've got 1,200? You know, so like, I think that Instagram for me is always going to be in a black box that I'm never going to really understand. But then again, I don't give it my time and attention. Yeah. And I don't click on the things that they want me to click on. So like, they're not going to, you know, suddenly make me highly visible to everyone, right? It's yeah. a give and take. It's an algorithm that, you know, assesses you. Mm. So, I mean, it's like, I guess, advanced Instagram marketing <laughs> do not come to me. I actually understand a lot about Instagram and how it works in the back end of it. Yeah, I just haven't given my, I just, just don't care enough. <laughs> just don't care enough. I've had no business reason to care. Mm. But so. what type of results have you got from LinkedIn? Because, you know, you mentioned that you're concentrating on LinkedIn. LinkedIn has just always been good to me. I think because back in when they first started putting out video, I started doing videos and it was with my business. I needed to get it out there. I was like, why not? And so I think that it might have just worked well for me. Yeah. Even my my launch video when I, I literally sat on the floor at WeWork, put the camera up and just like started talking about labs and it had over 10,000 views in three days. Wow. So I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, no, definitely powerful. We had Sally Ingleworth on episode one of the podcast and she mentioned that she put up 10 videos in 10 days and it had an uplift of 2,000% on her usual traffic. I mean, she had over 14 million organic views last year in 2019. So definitely a powerful platform. I think also, yeah, it's like if you've got a business and you are looking at all these different channels, kind of like, doing a bit of a research into what are they trying to maximize for. So like Instagram are still trying to push IGTV. They want to compete with Google and YouTube. I don't know if they'll get there or not, but it's something that they're conditioning the algorithm, at least from what I understand, to favor. And when LinkedIn first brought out the videos, they wanted people to use it. Yeah. So what are they going to do? They're going to reward you for using it. So it's kind of understanding the trends of what these different platforms are caring about Mm. and then optimizing for that. Yeah. So speaking of learning and educating yourself, big podcast fan, you learn that way. What other ways do you learn? Are you a big reader? I mean, you've already mentioned Hooked and you've mm-hmm. mentioned Deep Work by Cal yes. Newport. Digital Minimalism from Cal Newport, I write over Deep Work. So that's his second book. Oh, and it's a li- Yeah, it's a little mm-hmm. bit more of a how-to. Right. So he kind of gets you hooked. Um, through the first book where you kind of go, mm. oh my God. Yeah. And then digital minimalism is kind of more of a process as to how to assess, eliminate, and then bring back into your life technology right. in an intentional way. Mickey Singer's The Surrender Experiment. I'm an audiobook listener as well because I'm a runner. So I listen to that every year, if not twice a year. Wow. And so this guy, he he just has had this remarkable life 
He's technically a technology entrepreneur. Got involved with like WebMD back in the 90s and 2000s. Built a hell of a lot of other content and, and tech before then. But it's really a book about the relationship he has with himself and how he chooses to live his life. So in WeWork Labs, we actually have an entire library of books and it's a mixture mm. of Brene Brown and Mickey Singer to Hooked to um, the Nike book. There's right. a, a big mix, everything except for the lean startup because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that guy's got enough money. And then everyone else has got their tattered venture deals that they've bought uh, in and I'm yeah. like, okay, well, I guess I don't need to buy that one, but mm. um, I can bring in my own copy. Yeah, we'll put all of Monica's book suggestions in the show notes that you guys can find at metagy.com forward slash podcast. I wanted to circle back on running. Now you mentioned you're a runner. I just actually read a book by Haruku Murakami. What I think about when I think about running. That's the one. Yeah. So how has running affected your business life? I mean, how has that helped you on your journey? Just on that book, I am like five pages into it. Oh, wow. (laughs) I literally finished that yesterday. Oh, I'm like really (laughs) excited about it. I'm switching between that and The Profit. The Profit? What's that? I know. That's what I said. (laughs) I literally just picked it up at Dimmix. I know I'm old school. Um, Picked it up at Dimmix the other day and my sister's like, yeah, it's kind of like a cult classic. It was was like the Bible of the counterculture of the 1960s. Right. So far, it's pretty good. Mm. It's short, but it's also like poetic. So it's got a poetic but simple poetic style. Right. Running has legit changed everything because wow. I was an asthmatic child with a lot of memories of being the last kid at the school carnival, like wow. sports carnival to finish running. So I only got into running three years ago and it was using the Couch to 5K app at the <laughs> oh God, at the gym. And I think I got into it because my then friend now husband was like doing triathlons and it just he was like I love a challenge love a challenge really wish I didn't love them so much (laughs) and I just started and then we and we started trail running together so running is okay trail running is amazing right because it's kind of like entrepreneurial life in that every step is different and even if you've run the same trail like 50 times If the weather has done something strange, you're going to have a different trail. There will be a branch where you remember there isn't any branch or it will be super wet conditions and, you know, suddenly that big boulder you love to jump off of looks really scary to land from. Mm. And so it's, I get some of my best business ideas. Actually, I was running, I was doing the Sydney Trail Series last year and um, Alan Jones and I ran into each other on the trail. He was doing it as well. And while we were running, I like pitched him an idea about a podcast, <laughs> actually. I was like, oh, I'll get your, your thoughts on this. But I think it's such a good outlet. I wow. really love it. And if mm, this little asthmatic self can start running at the age of like 28, anyone can. Wow. Bar anyone who physically has issues. Mm. But yeah. Oh, so awesome. um, no, I love it. Cool, cool. Monica, just wanted to thank you for all the value you've provided so far today. All of Monica's books, resources, and tools can be found at metagy.com forward slash podcast. So to close the podcast, we have a couple of abstract questions that we like to ask all of our guests. So the first question. We've talked a lot about algorithms today. So if you could be any algorithm, what would that be? It could be the Spotify algorithm. The Amazon algorithm. 
Which algorithm resonates the most with Monica Wolf? That is the weirdest question I've ever been <laughs> I told you it was going to be abstract. I, I love it. I love it. What algorithm would I be? Definitely not my YouTube algorithm because that just makes, like, I, I don't. The rabbit it, hole. Oh my God. It's mm. like white girl wasted on an algorithm. <laughs> I'm like, why am I watching so much about cats and Ellen? <laughs> like, it, it doesn't mm. need to be that way. Um, I love the Spotify algorithm because I'm not great at names. As mm. some people, even in the startup community, I've reintroduced myself many a time to the same people. Yeah. And I love the fact that it kind of shows me music that I love that I would never remember or know or look for in myself. Yeah. So I love the curiosity element of the Spotify algorithm. I don't know if this is an algorithm, but there is there's a very morbid but hilarious <laughs> app called We Croak. Right. And every day it tells you randomly mm. that you're going to die. So it's kind of like a Buddhist right. app. And I have it, and it makes me laugh because it takes you out of whatever, like, ultimately trivial issue you're dealing with yeah. to kind of remind you of, you know, get back to yourself and, and don't sweat the small stuff. I don't know the algorithm of how it decides when to tell so you So it's it. a different time each day? Every day. Yeah, wow. you don't know when you're going to get it. Wow. So I kind of, I like that. I like the the not knowing and the randomness. Mm. So I think that's a pretty basic <laughs> algorithm. I don't even think that's an algorithm, but um, I do like that. There should be a podcast algorithm that was actually good. Like a recommendation algorithm? Yeah, a better one. What about Spotify? Surely they're working on that? They probably would be. They're, I mean, if you look at what they're, all the analysis and all the mm. companies they bought last year yeah. in, the, in the podcast space, yeah. literally quarter one and quarter two of last year, it was them spending over 500 million US dollars on mm. acquiring three companies related to podcasting. Yeah, they would probably be working on it. But yeah, please do. Yes. Because um, like, I still go by word of mouth recommendations like Dolly Parton's America's podcast is phenomenal. Right. It is amazing. But yeah, I would love a better, mm. I would love to be the podcast recommendation <laughs> algorithm that is yet to be built. That is amazing. Mm. You could hand curate your <laughs> list of favorite podcasts. What other podcasts do you listen to? Oh, so my latest faves is Dolly Parton's America. Mm. There's also Switched on Pop which has given me a new appreciation for pop music and how that's kind of created. Right. And what I love about it is it's like a musicologist and a songwriter get together to talk about different artists and songs and suddenly you're like, oh my God, Taylor Swift, you're a genius. <laughs> so those two, I, I mean, I listen to a lot of like daily podcasts. Full Story from The Guardian is mm. kind of like... Australia's version of The Daily from the New York Times. So they started in October of last year. And it's nice to hear a little bit about Australian daily news, not always, you know, the American daily news. Yeah. What about business podcasts? Any that you can recommend? I mean, Guy Raz, How I Built mm, This yeah. is always good. Yeah. That one is nice. I, to be honest, I think podcasts are my outlet, so right. I don't spend too much time, mm. other than a select few like Metigy, <laughs> listening, um, like I in and out of Recode Decode and, and all yeah, that. I just, yeah. I don't That's know. Fair. It's got to keep me wanting to run. <laughs> <laughs> what music do you listen to when you're running? I don't really. I listen to podcasts. Oh, right. Yeah, like, oh, my, no such thing as a fish. Oh, my right. favorite 
favorite podcast. It's the first ever podcast I listened to. Yeah. I still listen to it. It is hilarious. It's all these facts from the QI elves in Covent Garden. Right. Um, there's quite a lot of Australiana in there because one of the guys grew up in Australia. So there's four of them, three guys and a woman, and they're very smart. They're very funny. It's mm. just amazing. Yeah, awesome. We'll put all of Monica's podcast recommendations in the show notes that you guys can check out after the show at metagy.com forward slash podcast. And Monica, you've made it to the final question of the day. Are you ready for launch? Like the startup conference? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm talking about the launch that you are going to be in because you're on the first flight to Mars with Elon Musk and the first settlers aboard the SpaceX Starship rocket. So what business do you start when you land on Mars and how do you promote it to the new Martians? I have a confession. Yes. I didn't get on the spaceship. Right. You missed the flight. I missed the flight. I honestly have no desire to go to Mars, let alone with Elon Musk. <laughs> oh, not, so, an Elon, not an Elon fan? No, nah, not really. So I decided to stay on Earth. Right. And to help the businesses that are actually trying to be sustainable and have social impact and social integrity as well as e-commerce or commerce. Right. Yeah, so it's all about, for me, how can we help, like Zenify, what Zenify does. Mm. How can we help them grow and raise their profile and, and how can we purchase things? Like these days, our clicks, our dollars, they actually do mean something. We are mm. We are not just requesting, we are demanding to understand where our products and services are are coming from. Mm. And so I think that now through the generations that have experienced the internet and grown up with it, there's this demand to understand and to question, why do we have to have all these straws and why do we have to have all these Mm. disposable single-use plastics and and what are the companies going to do to change our culture, change our society so that we we don't have to go to Mars (laughs) unless we really want to. I mean, I'm a trail runner. I love Earth. And I like, I really do enjoy the people on earth. Mm. And I, I think that that's where I want to go. But I would probably, if I was going to go, I would be another one of our labs members, SiteHive. They have a software and hardware product that captures all the different environmental elements around a construction site. So dust, sound, noise, vibration. Wow. And they can compute that back to the civil engineers and the engineering teams that are doing construction. So I think that their business would probably, you know, granted gravity and all those things and space mm. would be a useful one. I yeah. don't I think there would be like Levi Strauss selling the shovels to the gold diggers. Yeah, making more money than the gold diggers. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you could also sell your ticket with Elon, which I'm sure would fetch a nice price. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. I could buy a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> could buy ten Teslas, I bet. Oh, man. So not an Elon fan. Can you tell us more about that? I oh, just doesn't grab me. Mm. Just his style or the way he treats people or his, Look, the way I, he runs businesses? I think there is space for a different type of visionary and entrepreneur to be visible. Right. So we've had an onslaught of the God, you know, the gods of tech and e-commerce and digital and Elon Musk and Gary Vee and, you know, all those. And that's great. I mean, it is what it is. They've had their time. I just, 
I just think there's space now for different voices, different people, different mm. different optics, different yeah. perspectives. And, you know, I'm all for space. Space is amazing. Space mm. scares the hell out of me. But I don't know. I'm just not taken. Yeah, I don't, I I don't need another middle-aged white guy from mm. a privileged background telling me all about his vision. Yeah. I want to hear about other people's visions. Mm. I want to help people bring their vision to life. And that's what you're doing at WeWork Labs. I'm trying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you once again, Monica, for all the value you've dropped. You can find all of Monica's resources, books, and tools at metagy.com forward slash podcast. And before we go, Monica, is there anything you'd like to say and how can people get in touch? LinkedIn is always a good one. If you just search Monica Wolf on LinkedIn, you'll usually find me. If you want to find out more about WeWork Labs, you can just put WeWork Labs into Google and it will show up as well. And yeah, we have different events happening throughout the year actually at WeWork. So you'll probably hear about those if you connect in with me on LinkedIn or join our newsletter. And how can we listen to the Digital Love podcast? Oh, it's up on any of those. Anywhere that you listen to your (laughs) podcast, there's some real interesting things I'm going to do with it this year. Um, Last year was exploration, figuring out, understanding the tech, understanding all the nuances of podcasting. And this year we'll be moving on from that. Amazing. So watch this space. Can't wait to listen. Monica, thanks again. It's been fun. Thank you. From Medigy, you've just listened to Forward Thinking. Again, I'm Darren, and Medigy hopes we helped you find more insights and tips into your business. To find out more about Medigy and get a listener-exclusive three-month free trial, visit us at medigy.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, go and check out some more episodes. If you like what you heard, please share a link to another business owner or marketer who you think could get something from this. Also, to help us out, it would be great if you left a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Last, never miss another episode by following or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast player. See you on the next episode.